Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Before I start, uh, I've got a, a word on my heart for you today, but firstly, I just want my wife to come, and because there's so many that we don't know, uh, so she's going to come and say a quick hello as well. So. Hello, everybody. So good to be here with you. Um, the Lord just gave me a psalm to read to you. Um, he gave it to me yesterday, actually, so I'll read it to you. It's Psalm 84. And it says, How lovely are the dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. My King and my God, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. How blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. They go from strength to strength, and every one of them be- appears before God in Zion. That last verse, the valley of Baca, means the valley of weeping. And then it says how everyone will stand before God in Zion. And I just sort of felt that sometimes we go through some tough times, and God doesn't say we'll never have tough times, but he does say he'll be with us in those. And it's how we finish, that we finish well. We stand with God, and we know that he's faithful to us. Thank you. Bless the Lord. You know, there was a great presence of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. I, I, you know, it's not about how much music we've got or how many people are there. It's the right people in the right place with the right sense of the presence of God. And when you come into the place, you, you carry something in, you receive something, and then you carry something out. We, as you know, have been in a, an incredible season of revival and freshness. And one of the things that I've been saying to people all the time is carry what God is doing in your life and carry it out of it. So don't, don't miss that moment that happened this morning in the presence of God, because God restores us. And, you know, he uses his word to encourage us, but he also uses that time of worship and reflection and as uh, as pastor steve said a wonderful time around communion uh, today i really sensed you know god just using that moment i don't really know you but i just sensed the the touch of god on your life and i believe god's doing something in you that's more than you've yet seen so hold on to god's promises uh, and you'll see what that opens up to uh, into the future. But there is a, a beautiful sense of the presence of God in this place. I have a message on my heart uh, to you today. I don't know whether the title's come up yet, but Dead Man Come Out of the Grave. Only reason that's my title is because uh, Prem asked me for a title, so I had to give him something. So, <clears throat> But it's actually from the scripture that I'm about to read. Um, 
from John chapter 11, verse 38 to 44. It says, Jesus, I hope you have a Bible. You know, I always encourage people. I know we've got those things on, what do they call them? Apps and things like that, you know, but oh, I'm 65. You know, you, you, you sort of, I know, I should be up to it, but I like the old-fashioned, the old solid Bible. <laughs> walk down the street with this and people ask questions. Walk down with your phone and they just think you're like everybody else. So bring your Bible to church if you can. You don't have to. There's nothing wrong with the the phones, by the way. I I use them as well, but I do like having the Bible here and uh, opening up to the Word of God. So John chapter 11, at verse 38 to 44 says, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when it said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So, Father, we pray today for your word, and I ask, Lord God, that you will use me as a servant of the delivery of your word. Let your words be heard today. Uh, I'm just a mouthpiece, but God, I pray that your words will be heard, and the things that you want to say into each and every individual here will be heard, Lord God, that you will deposit those by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. So the background to this story is that Lazarus had been sick and his family, uh, Martha and Mary, uh, were concerned enough to call Jesus, who was at this point of time some distance away. But he chose to wait two more days before he went to them. And by the time he arrived, Lazarus had been uh, dead for four days. There's a lot of grieving going on, but Jesus already had in mind to bring him back from the dead. Jesus was moved by the grief of the people, those who loved Lazarus. Uh, not, Not so much for the loss of Lazarus as a friend, but so much the loss that the others were feeling. He was feeling the heart of the people who were grieving at that point of time. And today I want to highlight some points that struck me as significant in relation to this narrative. Things that I believe that help us see the heart of Jesus towards us uh, and and the response that we're called to make um, in order to see his glory revealed in our life. There's a few little statements that I'm going to uh, refer back to from that passage of scripture. The first is in verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved. You know, the sense of compassion that Jesus had for other people is overwhelming. I mean, there was numbers, a number of occasions through the Gospels where Jesus was moved with compassion. 
He was moved as he looked upon the lost sheep of Israel, sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion many times to heal the sick. The Greek word for, for, for this in English literally means a yearning, a yearning within the bowels, a groaning compassion towards those with a need who could find no answer for that need in themselves. Now, more than anyone else in history, Jesus had and, in fact, still has a genuine concern for people. It's like he lived with this constant conviction that as the Son of Man, he came to seek and to save the lost, and where there was a need, if he could bring the answer, he would bring the answer. Jesus deeply moved, Jesus full of compassion. And I want to tell you that nothing from that day to this day has changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's deeply moved by the needs of people all over this world today. It doesn't matter where they are, what the circumstances, whether they're caught in the flood-prone regions of Victoria at the moment, whether they're in Ukraine, uh, in refugee camps, or whatever is going on in their life, or in our own daily life and needs, Jesus is deeply moved and moved with compassion towards each and every one of us. Wherever you are, whatever you face in life, he's there. He's moved by the needs of the world. He's moved by the plight of the homeless, the poor, the oppressed. He's moved by those who feel used and abused in the circumstances of life. He's moved by the weak, the sick, the lame. Jesus is moved. There's a yearning deep in his heart for people. He doesn't condemn someone caught up in the misfortunes of life. He doesn't turn from a person who's suffering because of self-inflicted wounds, whether physical or emotional. He doesn't turn from people because of lifestyle choices they've made. He's moved with compassion. He doesn't care how people got to where they're at. He only cares that he can offer a way out. He came for them. He came for us. He holds no regret for one, no, no, no regard, sorry, for one race or another above one another. He just cares for people. There's no interest in social status. Equally moved by the plight of humanity from the east and the west and the north to the south. He came for the poor, but he loves the rich also. He sees the desperate need of every person, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. Verse 39, he says, take away the stone. So Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter here. And you sense her right away that he has command over circumstances. And no matter what the obstacles might be, he has command. He will remove those obstacles to bring about his will and his purpose in your life. What can stop God reaching into your life and bringing forth his plan, nothing, nothing. 
Jesus has the power and the authority to do all that is necessary to fulfill the word, the will of God in your life. You know, he reached into the heart of the lonely. He loved the woman that was caught in adultery. He loved her so much that he evened the playing field by showing everyone else that they were no better than her. He embraced the harlot with no regard for what people might think of him. He took the tax collector under his wing. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. You know, at one time, the the disciples, they, they marveled at him. They, who is this man? They were out in sea. Who is this man that even the storms obey him? So here he was in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he was asleep. They were all running around. And these are seasoned fishermen. These aren't people that are just going out for an afternoon boat ride. Fierce storm rises up. And they were taken by surprise and overwhelmed by the intensity of what was going on around them. The storms were not unusual for them, but this one struck fear in their hearts, but the storm bowed to the word and the command of Jesus. You see, even when we have confidence in some areas of our life or certain areas of our life, there can still come times when circumstances and storms can overwhelm us. Can any of you relate to that? See, you can sail through storm after storm after storm in your own life with full confidence and then suddenly, out of nowhere, something throws you off balance. This happened to me earlier this year. You know, in late uh, November... Last year, I, I, I'd just spent six weeks in, in Bangkok. We were transitioning the church in Bangkok from the leadership of Pastor Jesse to Pastor Alvin. And I spent six weeks there just helping with that transition. And I came back. And as I came back, I started to develop some respiratory problems. And uh, I, I started to, to, to feel something was, was wrong. You know, it was more, this was more than just seasonal asthma type stuff as I saw it. Uh, so I went and had some tests and that's the first thing they said is this is just seasonal asthma. And then they said something else and then something else. Uh, but, for, but finally, uh, about three months later, they figured out what was wrong. And on the 1st of March, a, a lung specialist that I'd been sent to and had some scans and tests told me that I had an incurable lung disease called pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, and the, uh, uh, what happens with that is your lungs on the internal start to scar up and, uh, and eventually they go brittle and, and you can't breathe. Uh, you can get air in, but you can't get air into the blood system and you can't therefore live for long. And so basically, as I said, the only good news was that uh, seeing as I was still reasonably young, that if I lived long enough, I might get a lung transplant. And uh, so that was uh, uh, March the 1st, and uh, things continued to get worse. And over the next few months, I lost a lot of weight, and I lost all my energy. 
Uh, and the specialist, uh, I, to travel for uh, my job, I'm the mission pastor of the church and I do a lot of training in different parts of the world. And so um, three years ago when I stepped, I was doing that as well as the business role, but I stepped away from the business role uh, of the church and, and full time now I, I am involved in the mission uh, side of our church. And so I'm often on a plane uh, except through COVID, and um, and uh, they told me I'd never fly again. They did some s- simulation tests and said you can't go up an altitude because you have no lung function. You basically will basically shut down all your organs if you do. And so uh, also I had no energy. I couldn't walk from one side of this room to the other without uh, lying down for about half an hour to recover. And uh, so it was very difficult to work. And so Pastor Corey and I were on a journey of who's going to be my replacement Um, because I couldn't basically keep doing the job that I do. Um, Then uh, by the end of May, my kidneys then also failed completely and I ended up in the emergency department and I was admitted to hospital and things looked pretty grim. Uh, And... uh, Let me say, though, that no matter what is going on in your life, nothing, nothing will stop God from reaching out to you. And I'll tell you about the miracle that took place in my life in just a moment. But note this before I get there, that as we explore further how God intervenes in our lives, there is always, always active faith involved in the victories of life. We see it in this story. You know it from the own testimonies of what God's done in your life in the past. There's always active faith involved. So the example here is the woman uh, was an example, another Bible example, not the one here, but was the woman who's caught in adultery in John chapter 8. She had to turn away from that life. So God did what God would do, but she had to do what she had to do. The woman who hemorrhaged for 12 years, she had to reach out and touch the hem of his garment, and then she was healed. And here, as the people gathered around the grave of their friend Lazarus, when Jesus spoke to them, they had to do something in order to see the miraculous provision of the Lord. They had to roll back the stone. Now, faith is an integral part of how God works in our life. In some way, faith must always rise to meet with God. So if you have a need in your life, then I believe that God is here to meet you at that point of the need. Some of you came forward uh, in the worship time and received prayer. What did you do? You took a step of faith and somebody stood with you and you prayed and believed that God will touch you in that moment. That's how it works. You need faith. You need to reach out in faith. How much faith do you need? Well, how much faith does it take to move a mountain? Just a little tiny bit. That's it. That's it. You can, all of you, by the way, can shout out anytime you like. That's okay. You don't have to have much for God to do a lot. Now, in this scripture here, I, I know there was a, a little resistance here in this story of Lazarus. Because Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. 
dead for four days. The odour would have been very bad. And even though they knew that Jesus uh, had come and they knew he was a healer, the natural way of thinking comes to the forefront in this point of challenge in their life. Isn't that sometimes like what happens in our own lives? You know, in our own situations, our resistance to the word of God is based on what we think is on the other side of the stone. Oh God, I can't do that. It stinks. There's failure, there's death, there's rejection, there's poverty, there's embarrassment. I can't do it. You know, as I lay in hospital, um, when, uh, when I ended up there, I felt like I was in my darkest hour. And I was reminded of the words of Thomas Fuller. He was a 17th century theologian. And he, he, said, he said, the darkest hour of the night is just before dawn breaks. I felt God bring that to me. And then, then he led me to Isaiah 58, verse 10 and 11 which says this, if you spend yourself, God, these were God's words into my heart, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. What I felt God say to me in that moment was if you continue to press on and do what I've called you to do rather than shrink back because the doctor's prognosis is this, If you do this, this is what I will do for you. And then the exact words that God spoke into my life, not audibly, but as audible as it could be without being blaring out over a speaker, was if you give me three years in this current role that I have as the executive pastor of Mission Globally, I'll give you 10 more years of active mission ministry beyond that. So what God was saying to me is, finish this role, raise up a new leader, and then you will continue to serve me well into your 70s. In that which is on my heart. So that was the word of the Lord to me. That was my point of faith. So I had to fight against the diagnosis and trust that the Lord had spoken to me. Now maybe there's a decision that you need to make where maybe God is saying to you, it doesn't have to be in a healing need, but in something in your life where he's saying, it's time to step out. But fear gets in the way. You know, often it's past failure that looms larger than life when we're about to launch into something different or new. I can't do that. Oh, it, it stinks behind the stone. So it comes down to this. Fear of the unknown 
fear of what you will find or what it might cost. But if you step out in faith and be prepared to do what you can do, God will reach out to you. So that very day, when God spoke those words to me, my kidney specialist, I now had a kidney specialist as well as a lung specialist, um, my kidney specialist came in and she said, this is about three days after being in, and she said, okay, we've stabilised you as much as we can. Um, now, you can't have a biopsy for a week because of other medications and things that have to clear out of your body. So you might as well go home because we've got you stable and then you come back and have the biopsy and then we'll work out your treatment plan from then on. So they sent me home and uh, I went home, I think it was a Wednesday, yes, it was a Wednesday, and I spent the next three days lying in bed uh, and I hardly moved. Um for three days and there was very little change in my body during that time but every day I laid there I claimed the word of the Lord I claimed what he had spoken into my life and strength returned slowly to my body and on the Saturday I got up and I noticed a significant change in my energy and my capacity that was on the first week in June. By the end of the month, I was back at work. I was in full health. The doctors were astounded and the impossible had become possible. And I have fully engaged in my ministry role. Um, I, as soon as I got that clarity, before I'd even been back to the specialists, I booked uh, my, my travel, my first trip to, uh, I had to go to a conference. I sit on um, a, an international mission board, so I had to go to a conference that I'd already said I wasn't going to. I said, no, I'm going to it. And then I went on to Bangkok, spent a weekend with them. That was Pastor Corey was there as well, the first week of revival month. And, uh, and then... Uh, and then a few uh, weeks later, uh, I came back and then I went to Uganda and uh, I spent two weeks there after not being there for three years because of the COVID lockdown. Had an awesome time. The power of God moved. It was just awesome. And on Friday this week, I leave for Kenya uh, and they said I would never fly again. And uh, I, ca I carry this little oximeter with me, you know, one of those things you put on your finger. And uh, wh what was happening when things were really bad is that was really low percentage-wise. Now it's never less than 97%, the transfer of oxygen. And even when I'm flying, it's at that level. I always check it every hour, just to be sure. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, and because uh, I'm sensible, we still do sensible things, but but I know what God's done in my body. And they are amazed. They keep saying, oh, well, we must have got it wrong. I said, no, God got it right. Yeah. So my lungs are, my lungs are totally restored. My scarring, I had scarring in four parts of my lungs. That's totally disappeared. My air intake is 140%. Okay, so that means I'm as good as a 40-year-old. So I said to Pastor Corey, let's go for a run. Then I quickly changed my mind, because <laughs> he runs and I don't. 
but but also the oxygen transfer is 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 normal, and so my kidneys are functioning well. Uh, I have no restrictions in my health, and that's since mid June. So I'm a testimony to the power of God. Now, some of you may be facing health situations in your life or other desperate situations in your life. You see, the principle is the same, whether it's a physical need, emotional need, or, or financial need, or physical, whatever the needs are in our lives, the principle is the same. We reach out for things, and Jesus is saying to you, perhaps, in situations in your life, roll back the stone, because there's life, not death, on the other side. Verse 40 says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So if you have a need today, it's time to step out according to the word of the Lord, to reach out, to believe, to be willing to trust as you do, God will minister to you. It will not stink behind the stone. If you need some help affirming the will of God, we'll start with the premise that God wants the best for your life, because he does. Even if you don't understand what's going on, understand God wants the best for your life. He believes in you, and he wants the best for your life. Here's some of my life scriptures that I use all the time. You, You probably know them well too. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to bless you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you believe these things, they, then you know that there will be life behind the stone. And all you need is faith, the size of a mustard seed. Verse 43, Lazarus, come out. They're the words of Jesus. So having faced the fear of what they might find, they pull back the stone. Maybe they're holding their breath just in case. Because there's always a human element with us. Maybe they're half expecting that rushing smell of putrid, rotting flesh. But there was nothing. No smell. No sound at the time, but maybe just faith stirring somewhere in the depth of the cave. So the crowd was still, silent, waiting, wondering. Jesus calls out in a loud voice. He calls things that are not as though they were. He speaks life into a place of death. He looks into the grave. He speaks into the pit and calls forth life. So maybe even now there are circumstances in your life where you feel you have no control. You feel like you're caught in a trap with no way out. Uh, remember that. It was an Elvis song. Mm. But Jesus calls into the circumstances that cling to you like death itself. And he says, come forth. 
When Jesus speaks words of life, even the demble, the, 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 the demons tremble. So do you think the problems of your life are going to withstand the command of the Lord? Do you think that God who calls things that are not as though they were is overwhelmed by our problems? But there's something you need to do. Lazarus was restored to life because Jesus spoke the word, but the people then stepped out in faith and then Jesus called life. So it begins with faith in the word of God. It stops dead without our appropriate reaction and action. So when I received my miracle, I had to start living out the call and the purpose that God had spoken into my life. In fact, that's what I continue to do day by day. I claim this every day. I'm not expecting it to go backwards. It's just that I want to live in it and remind myself also and feel, I feel humbled to have the opportunity to fulfill what God has placed on my life. I wasn't afraid of death, by the way. There's no fear in death when I know Jesus. There was fear in what I hadn't, or, or sadness, I guess, in what I wouldn't accomplish in ministry and family and all those things. That's the, they're the things that, that hurt. Otherwise, it's just go home to be with Jesus. I, I'm okay with that. So I had to start living out the call. And I continue to do so to live in the promises of God. The question here is, what does God want for you? He always, for each and every one of us, wants his best. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you. That's the word of God into your life today. So therefore, if you have a need, then God can meet that need. Is he going to meet that need or not? I believe he is. Oh, but the stone is already in place. This is sometimes we, we think, well, yeah, but they've said this or they've done this. You know, my fate is sealed. There's no hope. It's too late for me. But Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. So I want to tell you that all of heaven is on our side all the time. All of heaven spurs us on to rise from the things that hold us back whatever they are in our life. Jesus looks into the circumstances of your life and calls forth life. He calls forth power and he calls forth liberty. Verse 44, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. He's called you to life. Now he calls you to throw off the things that would hinder you and hold you back. You see, Lazarus wasn't called out of the grave to stumble around in grave clothes for the rest of his life. He wasn't raised to remain bound as reminders of the clutches of death. There was no shroud to remind him of past experiences to hold him back. Now, the reason I focused on that for a bit was because I got a feeling that there's a few people here maybe that in things that are going on in your life, you've been set free, but the grave clothes are still binding you a little. So it's not that God hasn't freed you, you haven't freed yourself. 
because maybe sometimes you let the mind rule rather than the heart. But God has called you out of the things that bind you and set you free. So the question is, what are you going to do? Because I don't believe that experiences or sin or failure or lost dreams or anything like that have the power to hold us back unless we give them that power. You know, the more you allow the Spirit of God to minister to you and shape your life, the more you become able to reach the full potential of what he has for you. Don't ever let yourself think that God does not have a purpose for you and your life. That's the biggest mind trap I think people have. Who am I? It's not about who we are. It's about who he is through us. And it's the same Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us to do whatever God has called us to and live the life that God has called us to live. When I was in Uganda, one of my friends, Bishop Patrick, he's uh, our partner over there, he, um, he's planted uh, 230 churches, just a few. And uh, uh, there, many of them are in villages and because they're rural uh, churches. But everywhere we went, he was, uh, I shared a little bit of my testimony, but he would come up and he would put his hand on my shoulder and shake me. So, Pastor Rob, you will never die. You will never die until God finishes with you and takes you home. And I just thank God, like, because they committed their church, their, their churches for those months that I was sick, those eight months, they committed themselves to praying every day for me, you know, there was people all over the world just who were aware of my situation, but he's just a classic because he said, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for us. We cannot leave this planet until God has finished his plan for us to be on earth. So, you know, whether it's physical things going on in your life or circumstances going on, God has a plan that is for your blessing. You take hold of the promises and you believe them and hold on to them until the time comes for us to go to be with Jesus. I believe in the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, God continues to work in our life and he doesn't stop halfway. But we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus says, cast your burdens upon me and take mine upon you. For my burden is light and my yoke is easy. What is, what, is, what is the burden he gives us? It's not really a burden at all. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. He said to his disciples, he said, I'll go. Holy Spirit will come. Two reasons. One was to empower them to live as witnesses because out of, a, out of the witness of the Holy Spirit in our life, the circumstances change, but also to empower us to live our everyday life. That's what the Holy Spirit, that's the burden we carry today. We don't carry the other burdens, the burdens of our life. We hand them over to Jesus. So take the opportunity you have today to receive everything that God wants to give you so that you can serve him in power. Roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. 
Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, We would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.